Welcome back to Brojo Online. Got another special edition for you here. Another sneak preview from my upcoming book, The Naked Truth. This is the chapter on the benefits of confrontation. Enjoy. This is Brojo Online. Masculinity, confidence, and integrity. The Benefits of Confrontation Any psychologist will tell you that healing comes from honest confrontation with our injury or with our past. Whatever that thing is that has hurt us or traumatized us, until we face it head on, we will have issues moving forward in a healthy way. That's a quote from Nate Parker. Why I love confrontation and why you should too. There are five main reasons why I believe confrontations are not only helpful but necessary. Over the next two chapters, we will explore these in detail. These chapters are here to help you open your mind to being curious and possibly even enthusiastic about the idea of bringing more confrontation into your life. Here are the five things that confrontations have the potential to do. 1. Deepen your relationships and connections with others. I know. Sounds ridiculous to some of you, right? How can confronting someone possibly improve a relationship? We'll answer that in a minute. 2. Allow you to build your self-worth through increased courage, awareness, and self-respect, as well as encouraging others to respect you more. 3. Help you give to the world all of who you are. By sharing controversial or polarizing ideas and beliefs, you can help others feel connected or wiser. Number four, prevent most conflicts from occurring, really, and we'll explore how conflicts themselves must be confronted. And number five, provide a powerful defense against manipulation. People can only get you, that is successfully manipulate you, if you're unwilling to provoke and or experience certain uncomfortable emotional states. Once you can willingly endure these emotions, in other words, face up to conflicts, No one will be able to get inside your head and fuck with you. In this chapter, we'll focus on the first three. Before we do, let's further explore boundary setting, where values meet confrontation, because this is the most important type of confrontation a person needs to have. Setting boundaries. When confrontation is used to set someone straight on what your values are and how they must behave in order to respect those values, we will call this setting boundaries. Essentially, this is exactly what it sounds like, a boundary line that someone is not allowed to cross. You educate someone on your definition of bad behavior, and ideally what the alternative good behavior could be instead, so that they can see a clear boundary line between good and bad. Bad behavior is anything someone does that breaches your values, morals, or ethics, particularly when this involves you directly. There is an art to knowing the difference between boundary setting and controlling manipulation. We'll try not to interfere with how others choose to live. Boundary setting is reserved for times when their choices on how they live violate our principles in some way that affects us negatively, and so cannot be tolerated. Setting boundaries is really nothing more than honestly expressing disagreement with someone's behavior, and in some cases with their stated beliefs and intentions. It is not an attempt to change them by force, but instead an invitation for them to consider the option of treating you or others with more respect. 
If they choose to reject this invitation, there may be consequences. For example, the end of a friendship. But these consequences are not a punishment tool used to coerce or otherwise manipulate them. Setting a boundary is like drawing a line in the sand. It's up to them whether they cross that line, and they will clearly know what happens if they do. Think of it like speeding laws. The police don't force you to drive under a certain speed. They simply make you aware of how they'll react if they catch you doing it, and the rest is up to you. Simply put, setting a boundary is where you honestly confront someone and say, I'd prefer if you didn't do that, instead I would like you to do this. Then you simply allow them to choose an option, and you react accordingly. If they respect your boundary, they are entitled to privileges like your time, attention, love, friendship, energy, and support. If they choose not to, you will redirect those privileges elsewhere and they will miss out. These privileges are not a bargaining chip. This is simply a cause and effect sequence. Valued behavior leads to privileges, while disrespectful behavior does not. People who respect me get my best treatment, but I don't mistreat people who disrespect me. I simply don't give them more than a basic courtesy. Confrontations improve relationships. In my early years, as I've already mentioned, I avoided confrontations like the plague. I figured that if a relationship was free of arguments, disagreement, and anger, it must be a good relationship. I don't know if I've ever been more wrong about something in my life. In my first long-term relationship, there were almost no confrontations at all. As a people-pleasing nice guy, I simply submitted to almost any request my girlfriend put forward, and I would quickly back down if a disagreement got even close to becoming emotional. Whatever she wanted, I provided. Whatever she believed, I agreed. The entire time I told myself that I simply didn't care that much, that I was easygoing, or that I was a great guy for being so understanding. What a load of bullshit. The pure and simple truth was that I was afraid of being dumped and, to a lesser degree, afraid of being faced with her emotions and not knowing how to handle them, or my own for that matter. On one occasion, I did actually argue with her. I was so convinced that the relationship would end because of it, that I was genuinely shocked when she didn't dump me. It simply never occurred to me that it was possible for a relationship to survive an emotionally charged argument. This was how bad my fear of conflict was. Ironically, when she later broke up with me, One of the main reasons was that I was too easygoing, which, it turned out, was both boring and frustrating for her. What I've realized is that when you do not confront someone who crosses your boundaries, people will struggle to trust you. It's just impossible to trust someone who isn't bothered by anything, or is bothered but won't protect themselves in any way. It's too unreal. We all know, as humans, that everyone must be bothered by something. So when you are faced with someone who seems unfazed and totally agreeable all the time, your suspicion will almost always be provoked, unless you're totally naive. It feels manipulative, probably because that's exactly what it is. And when someone is bothered but fails to stand up for themselves, we can't trust that they would have our back in a fight either. When you express to people that you're generally okay with everything, they will start to feel uncomfortable in your presence. Deep down, they sense that you must be lying, or they lose their own self-worth because your perfection makes them feel inferior. They'll start to worry that you're secretly building up resentment, or that you're just a robot who doesn't feel anything. It's very difficult to connect with someone who doesn't care about anything, 
and it's impossible to feel completely safe with someone who can't tell you when they're upset. When you set reasonable boundaries and show that certain things consistently bother you, it's easier to believe you when you're genuinely not bothered. It gives people a sense of your preferences that they can trust. The more I know about your likes and dislikes, the more I know you as a person. As I get to know you, if you're showing me consistent boundaries, then I will start to be better able to predict what's cool for you and what isn't. This predictability is the essence of trust. This allows me to respect you and relax in your presence. With my wife Lucy, I've learned how to draw the lines. I've shown her what I disagree with, find unenjoyable, dislike about her behavior, and don't believe in. She does the same with me. The beautiful thing about this is that we don't need to agree. To some extent, she must obey some of my boundaries. For example, if she was to hurt my family members, that would be a deal breaker for me. She never has. But most of the time, she isn't obliged to do anything when I confront her. I'm just expressing who I am. For example, she remains firmly Catholic while I'm an atheist. We can both express differences here without the other needing to change in any way. But if I were to pretend to believe in God, she would start to feel that something was off and would lose both trust and respect for me. She expressed to me that she feels uneasy if I'm too agreeable. Early on in our relationship, she once said in an exasperated way, You seem to like everything. This was a warning sign. She was starting to feel unsafe and suspicious. I had heard this before. It was a pattern of dishonesty I'd brought to many, if not all, of my previous relationships. When I tell her firmly that I don't like something, or that I'm feeling angry, she knows where I stand and knows I can stand up for myself, and that I'm not being fake. As a wise man once told me about women, if she knows that you can stand up to her, she'll believe that you can stand up for her. If you can let go of the need to win your arguments, we'll discuss this in one of the following chapters, you'll see that confrontations are simply a way of letting the people in your life know where you stand on certain issues. It reassures them that you're honest and will not tolerate harmful things. Therefore, you're trustworthy, safe, and courageous. If you don't do this, you have no chance of creating a deep and real connection. And if you genuinely believe that nothing about a person ever bothers you, you're lying to yourself and to them. Of course, sometimes friends, family members, and partners have frequent arguments that eventually destroy their relationships. But these are not really confrontations as I've defined them. They're conflicts. Overreacting, taking things personally, vengeance, getting defensive, being nasty and manipulative, trying to win... These are all characteristics of conflicts and not of healthy confrontations. Yet relationship disasters often get blamed on confrontations when the real culprits are the conflict reactions. Don't blame confrontations for your poorly managed conflicts. Confrontations increase self-worth. If you do not confront people who cross your boundaries, you are disrespecting yourself. For anyone who has struggled with confrontations and boundary setting, You must surely be seeing evidence by now that this negatively affects your self-worth. How much you value yourself is not only measured by how respectful your behavior is towards yourself, it is in fact determined by it. The more you allow people to mistreat you or breach your values in other ways, through not being honest about your feelings, the less valuable you'll believe you are. 
Each avoidance of confrontation is like a sacrifice, stabbing your confidence with a knife. Eventually it bleeds to death from a thousand small cuts. How many nights have you laid awake, fuming over what you should have said, and beating yourself up for being a pussy who doesn't stand up for yourself? How many times have you felt the unpleasant wash of shame run through your body as yet another douchebag is allowed to dominate you, abuse you, and cause you to miss out on a better life? How many times have you hesitated to speak your mind and then beaten yourself up for missing yet another opportunity? How many times have you failed to protect someone you care about just because you didn't want to feel a bit uncomfortable? When you hold back from stating your boundaries, you send yourself a very clear message. What I believe in is not worth discussing and what I want is not worth asking for. Think about it in this way. If you give someone else the freedom to state their views and express their feelings, that's an act of respect, right? So what does it mean when you refuse to give yourself this opportunity and freedom? How would a child feel if you always told them to shut up and keep their thoughts to themselves? This is what you do to yourself when you back down. There is no one on this planet who can harm your self-worth more than you can. There are many ways we all do this, but my experience teaches me that none are as prevalent and harmful as not standing up for yourself. Think about how unworthy you feel when your partner or friend or boss doesn't stand up for you when they should. You're doing the same thing to yourself every time you pick your battles and choose not to speak your mind. You invalidate yourself. I remember a clear incident where I boldly stood up for what I believed in. This may have even been the first proper boundary I ever initiated on my own. I had been going through my first real authenticity development phase at the time and was testing out new ideas. One of those ideas was to live courageously with integrity even if it meant that other people wouldn't like me. One day at work, I went into the lunchroom and was presented with the perfect opportunity. There was a table of about six of my colleagues eating lunch together and they were all laughing. I eavesdropped as I started microwaving my rice and chicken and realized that they were laughing at someone else's expense. A new staff member had recently been given a tour of the building and everyone present at the lunch table was just going to town on her, taking the piss out of her voice, the way she looked and her personality. It was cruel. I felt super uncomfortable listening to it. Now the previous me would have probably just walked out or even joined in with the gossipy banter so that I could feel like I belonged. At best, maybe I would have tried to change the topic discreetly. But this time, I asked myself, what would a confident guy do? The answer scared the shit out of me. I had to confront the whole group. I had to confront a whole group of my peers. Not only that, this was a group of people who were clearly comfortable talking shit about someone behind their back, so there was a very high possibility that I would be the next subject of their derision if I spoke out. It's moments like these that define integrity and define who we're going to be. I gathered my courage, accepted the nervous, panicky heat raging through my body, and made my peace with the inevitable worldwide abandonment my mind told me I was about to experience. Blushing profusely, I took a deep breath and spoke up. Hey guys, I'm pretty sure that you wouldn't be saying this stuff if that person was here in this room, so it's probably not cool to be saying it behind her back, right? Everyone went dead silent. I waited anxiously to get fired, tarred and feathered, and possibly burnt at the stake. 
But then suddenly, an incredible and unexpected phenomenon occurred. As they stared at me blankly, I noticed that their faces slowly turned an ever deeper shade of red. They were blushing worse than me, and I realized that they were embarrassed. At first, I thought they were simply embarrassed for me because I had spoken against the group. But then, as one by one they started mumbling apologies and avoiding each other's eyes, I realized they were ashamed of themselves. As I walked out of the room, I felt a massive surge of self-worth, like nothing I'd ever experienced before. I had stepped off the edge of the abandonment cliff, taking a massive risk simply in order to express myself honestly. Not only did it feel thrilling, but I also helped the whole group realize that they were not living by their own values. Few people are proud of themselves for gossiping and backstabbing. They simply do it to hide their own insecurities and to fit in with the group. I had called it out and set them straight. Ultimately, their reaction was irrelevant. Maybe they started talking shit about me as soon as I left the room. Sometimes I say things that I know are true, and the audience still hates me. There have been plenty of times where I posted something online, or said something I believed during a speech, and received an immediate negative backlash. But when I have the presence of mind to see past my neediness for approval and acceptance, I usually feel pretty damn good about myself the next day. Sometimes I'm wrong, and the response I get teaches me something. Yet this still helps me improve my self-worth, since it increases my wisdom and adaptability. Confidence can only be gained from standing up for your beliefs. You either get stronger or wiser. Disrespecting yourself brings you nothing. Confrontation is a form of giving. It might seem strange that I would say that being confrontational is an act of giving, particularly if you believe that assertiveness causes conflict and therefore hurts people. So before we go any further, allow me to share my definition of assertiveness. It's the use of power to express yourself fully. It's a controlled expression of the emotional state of anger to stand up for yourself and others in the face of resistance and risks to your integrity. It's neither good nor bad, it's just energy in motion. Assertiveness is one of those concepts that can be inspirational for others. Meek people are often both intimidated and inspired by assertiveness, so standing up for yourself can serve as a motivational demonstration for others to be moved by. But for now, when it comes to explaining how assertive confrontations give value to people, I want to focus on a specific form of assertiveness, our old friend, setting boundaries. When Lucy and I first talked about becoming an exclusive couple, we had a frank conversation about what this would mean. For Lucy, it primarily meant that I would not engage sexually with any other woman or date other women in a romantic way. There were also some other non-negotiables, like I couldn't use drugs excessively or abuse her or manipulate her. Just as importantly, she also identified which of my less-than-desirable behaviours were not deal-breakers, annoying things I did that she would learn to accept. If I chose to accept these terms of agreement, she will commit to me with loyalty, love, and respect. It was make-or-break. So how was this an act of giving? To answer that question, let's explore what it's like to be in a relationship or partnership with someone where you don't know what the boundaries are. This is the kind of relationship where all expectations are silently projected onto the other person. The old, they should just know what to do rule. Have you ever been in one of these connections? 
It's a circus of mind-reading and hope being crushed by bitterness and disappointment. You end up constantly having communication breakdowns because everything is subtle, implicit, and secretly expected, rather than directly stated. Both of you experience a build-up of anxiety as you wait to learn the hard way what is unacceptable. It's only a matter of time before either a massive conflict breaks out, or you slowly end up drifting apart on a bitter sea of resentment and confusion. Many of my coaching clients will describe a relationship like this by saying, I just can't win. I know what they mean. I've been in relationships, work partnerships, and friendships where it seems like the rules change daily and without warning. One day, buying them flowers is the sweetest thing in the world to do. The next day, it's seen as condescending and false. For weeks, it's okay to leave your clothes on the floor, then suddenly it's the biggest issue on earth. You end up walking on eggshells, trying to guess all the rules and worrying about where the next breach will occur. When you fail to assert boundaries, you leave the other person in the dark. They don't know how to safely interact with you, which often will trigger them into people-pleasing or avoidant behaviours. The more aggressive people will slip into an automatic domination mode and just walk all over you. Either way, odds are that they will not be encouraged to live by their own values, so everyone involved in the situation eventually loses. When you fail to set boundaries, the most likely outcome is that you will bring out the worst in others, like manipulation, indirect and dishonest communication, and needy self-doubt. I noticed this in the workplace. When I was promoted to senior probation officer, I understood my role as being a helper, which I translated into people-pleasing behaviour. No matter how busy I was, I would never say no to someone's request for assistance, and because I was almost always given praise and gratitude, I thought it was the right way to go about doing things. Unfortunately, I was setting a precedent. Eventually, people started to get complacent and would interrupt me multiple times per hour with superficial requests that they could easily have resolved by themselves. My lack of boundary setting enabled them, encouraging them to become needy, dependent, and disrespectful. When I finally did start saying no, their gratitude was quickly replaced by sulky resentment. It can be terrifying to honestly and accurately set boundaries, particularly because most people think that to do so is the opposite of giving. We often believe that we are being a burden to others when we ask for what we want and demand a stop to, to what we don't want. We worry that we've become inconvenient and selfish, when in reality others will be relieved when the boundaries are clarified. This is something you must see to believe, and it may take some practice before you can do it with powerful honesty and emotional stability, but you already know it from being on the receiving end. Isn't it just so much better when you don't have to guess what someone wants? Of course, I understand why you feel hesitant to set firm boundaries, and why you might see assertiveness as rude, selfish, or harmful. I felt that same resistance for most of my life. We're afraid, aren't we? We don't see confrontation as giving through boundary setting. We see it as provoking rage, hatred, rejection, violence, or other painful repercussions through trying to challenge someone. What helped me get past this barrier was understanding that I don't have to control their reaction. I will repeat this point many times throughout this book to emphasize the burden you unwittingly carry, preventing you from practicing shameless honesty. 
The reason you might currently feel that confrontational boundary setting is bad is because you see it as a means of manipulating someone else's behavior. It feels like taking something from them rather than giving. But setting boundaries does not require their participation, agreement, or even consent. They don't have to give back. You're giving them the opportunity and guidance to respect you and understand how to best interact with you. They don't have to respond positively. You can relieve yourself of that burden. Let them decide for themselves. If you don't stand up for what you believe in, you are living dishonestly. You might believe that living dishonestly is a form of giving. You may think that keeping your disagreements to yourself saves other people from uncomfortable emotions. I hope that you can question this belief. I challenge you to provide evidence that dishonesty around boundaries truly serves someone in the long term. If nothing else, at least be honest with yourself about why you don't do it. You're scared of not being able to handle their reaction. Let's say you have a partner who crosses a boundary by asking you to cancel plans you've made with your friends because she's decided at the last minute that she wants a quiet night in with you. You might think that it would be a selfish act to say no because it would make her feel unwanted and angry toward you and might lead to creating a reputation of you being a cold-hearted boyfriend. This is the kind of script or story that many people attach to assertiveness. So you postpone your plans with your friends for the next week. Only when the next week arrives, the same last-minute request happens again, and again you comply. Now a pattern is forming. By complying with their unreasonable requests and not prioritizing your needs twice in a row, you have set a precedent and designated the foundation of roles within this relationship. You are now the one who moves aside for her. She is now the one entitled to make last-minute unreasonable demands. Are you still so sure that this will serve you both in the longer term? Are you even aware of how this affects your regularly disappointed friends? Do you really think this arrangement is going to end well for you? Maybe you know it won't, but you think to yourself, at least I'm making her happy, and you're able to convince yourself that you are being giving. Well, let's face some truths and investigate that a little deeper. What lesson is your partner learning from this experience? Firstly, she is being encouraged to boss you around and see you as having a lower status than herself. Secondly, she hasn't learned to accept that in real life things will not always go her way. You're spoiling her. And thirdly, this is likely a long-term pattern of behavior in her relationships, so you're enabling this unhealthy demanding behavior to continue. She's being encouraged to be selfish and disrespectful, You're rewarding her for it. Do you still think it's no big deal? Do you still think you're generously giving? Imagine that you eventually break up with her, which is almost inevitable given the build-up of resentment on both sides. She will resent and distrust you for being weak, even though she asked you to, because you failed to show integrity. Your partner is now screwed for the long-term future. What if her next partner isn't such a pushover? Your partner thinks she is doing everything right because it worked with you, and now she's losing love and opportunities because you never had the guts to call out her shitty behavior. And of course, you're off seeking another insecure control freak to serve your established pattern. All of this is basically a composite true story. I've seen it occur over and over again, and I've even created this one myself. I've seen my ex-girlfriends constantly struggle to find love after leaving me 
and I wonder how things might have been different had I grown some balls and pointed out their unhealthy behaviour and given them the feedback they so sorely needed. We'll never know, because I never spoke up. I withheld that gift from them. And I repeated my nice guy patterns and relationships for many years before I saw the problem, making the same mistakes over and over again because none of my partners gave me the brutally honest feedback I so sorely needed. Being unassertive is the opposite of giving, because it usually means that you have condoned unhelpful behaviour. You've effectively helped them screw up their future. You've also made them dependent on you, which sets them up to be incapable and insecure. You've done nothing for them and nothing for yourself. If, however, you assert yourself at the beginning and endure that small amount of discomfort, they learn respect and they learn how to create a balanced relationship. You respect yourself and create more time to connect with your friends. All the guys I know who gave up their friends for a needy partner are now lonely and full of regret. And if you're currently in this situation, it's not too late. By the end of the next couple of chapters, you'll have everything you need to reset the meter. Because Lucy and I clearly laid out what we would and would not tolerate from each other as partners, we rarely have conflicts. We rarely have any conflicts. We know what we each signed up for and cannot get resentful at each other for being ourselves. And we regularly check in to reassess and adjust our boundaries. We had another assertive boundary-setting discussion before we got married, but because we had laid such a solid foundation, there was really nothing to discuss. We are consistently assertive with each other and prepared to engage in uncomfortable conversations whenever a topic arises that might threaten our relationship even a little, and that is one of the main reasons our relationship remains so healthy. The funny thing is, people will probably like you more if you assert yourself. Setting boundaries is undeniable evidence of self-respect, and self-respect is attractive and reassuring. Assertiveness gives people the gift of hope. You give them a chance to aspire to greatness as they look up to you as a role model, one of the few truly assertive people in their lives. They trust that you can stand up for what's right. They feel safe to know that they will get called out on their own bullshit and self-sabotage. They might even be able to learn how to respect themselves from modelling your behaviour. Hey, that's how I learned it. All the best things I learned about self-respect were originally modelled off confident people I admired. Alrighty, that's the end of the chapter. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed that and you want to grab yourself a copy of the book, you can book in a pre-order by contacting me, dan at brojo.org, or perhaps later on when this podcast is still around. I'll have a link for the book once it's published below. Thanks for listening. See you next time.